You're listening to the Talking Rheumatology Research Podcast, brought to you by the British Society for Rheumatology. Hello and welcome to this Rheumatology Podcast. Today we talk about the safety and tolerance of vaccines against COVID-19 infection in SLE patients, results from the COVID study. Together with me, I have Dr. Parodis and Dr. Niki Poru. Please tell us where are you based, doctors? Thank you, Eunice, for inviting us. I'm Yanis Parodis. Uh, I'm a consultant rheumatologist based uh, in Stockholm at the Karolinska University Hospital and an associate professor of rheumatology at the Karolinska Institute. Happy to be here. Indeed. Thank you very much uh, to you, Yunus, and to Rheumatology for this kind invitation to talk about our study. So I'm Elena Nikiforo. I'm a consultant rheumatologist at King's College Hospital and an adjunct senior lecturer at King's College London. Delighted to be here. Thank you. Um, I'll first start with Dr. Parodis. Uh, you are the senior author of this manuscript. Would you th- like to tell us a bit about the study setting? Yes, absolutely. So this was uh, a study based on uh, a self-reported uh, online uh, uh, questionnaire that is called COVAT. And it was really a huge effort. So this study involved uh, 106 investigators, to be exact. And these investigators came uh, from uh, across 94 countries. Uh, and it is it, it was really a global effort. So we started uh, with uh, a total of 9,462 complete responses to this survey. And uh, these were registered between March and December 2021. And from these patients uh, or patients or healthy individuals uh, who completed the survey, 583 patients had um, uh, systemic lupus erythematosus. And this was 6.2% uh, of uh, the uh, of the population of the covid and uh, the mean age of the patients with lupus was uh, 40 years and 95% of the patients were uh, women and there was some overrepresentation of uh, the asian population 41% uh, of uh, the sle patients were of asian origin and regarding vaccine types uh, there was some overrepresentation of the pfizer vaccine so 43% of the patients had received the pfizer vaccine and uh, to briefly uh, tell you about the results uh, we did see a lot of uh, minor adverse events reported by the patients. 83% of the patients actually reported minor adverse events. However, the major uh, adverse events were uh, few, uh, accounting for only 2.6% of uh, what was reported. And uh, uh, hospitalization frequencies were only 0.2%, which is reassuring. And there was no difference between uh, patients with active and inactive uh, uh, SLD, uh, with uh, the only exceptions of uh, fever, fatigue, and tachycardia, which were a little bit more reported uh, uh, by patients who had active disease. However, uh, rashes were reported uh, a little bit more frequently by SLD patients compared with healthy controls, 20% more frequently. Uh, chills, uh, however, were less frequent in the SLE population compared with uh, 
other autoimmune rheumatic diseases and also compared with non-rheumatic uh, autoimmune diseases. And what was also interesting to see was that fatigue was less frequent in SLE patients compared with non-rheumatic um, uh, autoimmune diseases, which uh, uh, maybe was not as expected, knowing that patients with SLE really complain about fatigue. Uh, SLE is uh, a known disease to really uh, give fatigue to the patients. And use of antimalarial agents uh, was associated uh, with a decreased risk of uh, chills, uh, decreased by 50%. And uh, this is how I would actually summarize the setting and the results of this study. Thank you about that. Thank you for that, Dr. Iwani. So I'll proceed with my first question. So Many of the side, as you noted, many of the side effects were minor, but I noticed that fever, fatigue, and tachycardia were higher among those with active SLE than those with inactive disease. So um, how could we tell if these symptoms are a new or an ongoing disease activity already rather than uh, an adverse event of the vaccination? And maybe this could warrant a modification of mental yeah, thank you, Eunice. This is a pertinent question and one that we have to keep in mind when interpreting the findings of the study. And it is often difficult to distinguish between an adverse event that is related to the vaccination and the disease flare itself. It can be challenging because the symptomatology can be so similar. However, the symptoms were generally self-resolving and there were no reports about changing the treatment for the disease during the study, which potentially suggests that the symptoms are more likely to be related to the vaccination rather than disease activity itself. Uh, it is reassuring to know that the, these adverse events are self-resolving. My second question would be, like, why do you think that even if there were some adverse events that were severe, the hospitalizations were the same in both active and inactive disease, even after adjustment of the medications? So I'll turn again to Dr. Ewanis. Thank you, Ewanis. So yes, indeed, I believe that this also is supportive of the fact that the reported adverse events were vaccine-related and were mostly like the common mild adverse events that one can expect after vaccination rather than severe ones that would need hospitalization or extra care. So reports of hospitalization would probably mean a greater risk with those vaccines compared with traditional vaccines against influenza or pneumococcal vaccination. So the fact that uh, this was not the case in this observation is actually reassuring, I would say. So you mean the risk of hospitalization is the same whether it's an active or inactive SOP. But I think whether the risk of hospitalization is higher with uh, COVID vaccine than other vaccines we give to SLE patients. Of course, that would be another topic to explore. Yes, precisely. My next question would be, would you rather recommend one vaccine over the other? Because uh, I noticed most of the patients receive mRNA. We do not have sufficient data to recommend one vaccine over the other for patients with, with lupus. It is important to keep in mind, though, that the majority of the adverse events were minor and self-resolving. 
So it is difficult to draw conclusions about vaccine preferences since such a decision would also need efficacy data and data on immune responses to different vaccines, which was well beyond the scope of this work. And inappropriate, actually, based on the study design and the nature of the data collected, which were based on self-report. For this, we can only refer to uh, what the current recommendations tell us. Thank you, Elena. So my next question will be a little bit controversial. Probably early on in the pandemic, this was widely used and widely abused. Because, and here, it led to shortage of this medication. But this is a very useful drug. We know that it's useful in SLE and in many autoimmune rheumatic diseases. So, could you tell us about Dr. Erudis? Could you tell us about the role of HCQ in the vaccination of SLE patients? Yes, absolutely. I think you really nailed it, uh, Eunice, with your introduction about the controversy. Now, regarding this specific study, uh, use of hydroxychloroquine was indeed associated with a decreased risk for occurrence of chills and abdominal pain. And regarding chills, use of hydroxychloroquine was associated with a decreased risk by 50%. And this association remained actually significant and of the same size effect after adjustments for age, for gender, for ethnicity, and also for countries uh, when we group them uh, by their human development index. So regarding the abdominal pain, use of hydroxychloroquine decreases the risk by 80% in univariable logistic regression. And the association showed a trend towards the statistical significance also after the adjustments for the same factors, but it was not statistically significant. Now, this is in line with the favorable effects of hydroxychloroquine with regard to COVID-19 infection. However, here it is important to really contextualize this uh, because after these conflicting initial signals, antimalarial agents were in the end disproved actually to be of efficacy in managing patients with COVID-19 infection. So it is also important to mention that patients with SLE who are on antimalarial therapy are recommended to continue the antimalarial therapy during a COVID-19 infection without any dose adjustment. This is really uh, the current recommendation in most countries. Uh, There have been speculations about cardiotoxicity and uh, electrocardiographic uh, uh, QTC prolongation with the use of antimalarial agents uh, during COVID-19 infections. And this was supported by a meta-analysis of several studies. However, in many COVID-19 infection treatment protocols, patients were given higher doses of antimalarial agents compared with the common doses that we use within rheumatology. For example, they were given hydroxychloroquine loading with 800 milligrams. So this is not what we do with SLE patients. Patients with SLE in the present study are anticipated to have received lower doses than those that resulted in cardiotoxicity. Um, So the recommended daily dose of hydroxychloroquine in patients with SLE is actually 5 milligrams per kilogram body weight. So moreover, many patients in uh, the studies that showed the hydroxychloroquine-induced cardiotoxicity also received acetromycin. And acetromycin is another drug that potentially can prolong the QDC on the electrocardiograph. 
So this is also something to keep in mind. Now, regarding how hydroxychloroquine may have protective effects in patients with SLE, one could speculate around the mode of action of hydroxychloroquine and its effects, for example, by hampering interferon signaling through altering the endosomal pH in plasma cytoidin treating cells. But uh, beyond these speculations, I don't think that we can say so much more uh, from uh, the data that we have from this specific study. All right. That's a long discussion, but very detailed, very comprehensive. And thank you for that. My last question would be, in practice, how can we reassure SLE patients who are still doubtful, who are still hesitant to receive COVID-19 vaccine, whether it's a first dose or primary series or the booster doses? But this is this is really the main uh, message of this study. And straight to the point, I think the adverse events that we've seen were mainly minor and self-resolving. And the study really reassures that it appears safe for people with lupus to vaccinate themselves against COVID-19, which we also highly recommend. Um, and this vaccine saved many lives during and after the pandemic, and they continue to uh, do so. So I would, if I was to take one message away from this study, it would be that uh, this study provides reassurance that uh, vaccination against COVID-19 is safe in these patients. All right. So thank you for answering the questions. So I'll just give my learnings. What I've learned from this podcast, from the manuscript, is that first, Severe adverse events and hospitalization after the vaccination are uncommon. And second, all vaccine types have the same safety profile. And three, the current dose, uh, the standard dose, I mean, for hydroxychloroquine is very safe and even protective. So thank you for that, Drs. Iwines and Elena. Have a good day, everyone. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for listening to Talking Rheumatology Research, brought to you by BSR. Please do rate, share and subscribe through your favourite podcast app.